all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. While the patients who come to us often don't have hope, when we have this model, it is it offers them hope in a way that I don't think I could have even imagined in my training in conventional medicine. This podcast is sponsored by the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 257 with another lecture from the Line Mind Conference in New York City, 2019. Today, you're going to hear from functional medicine experts, Dr. Andrew Peterson and Dr. Suruchi Chandra. Also, welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you're going to learn three main things. The three main causes of disease, according to Dr. Peterson. Why a good marker of health is resiliency in the face of stress. And the benefits of an integrative and functional approach when treating Lyme disease. Thanks, Aurora. And a big shout out to all you longtime Lyme ninjas. You're the reason we have more than half a million downloads. Aurora and I really appreciate you tuning in. And we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. You are now officially a Lime Ninja. And as you know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join you from all over the world. And this past week we've had listeners tune in from Aurora, Colorado to Virginia Beach, Virginia. I was trying really hard to get that Z. Can you tell? No, but I thought you took Aurora. <laughs> to heart. It's not an it accident. Was a nice, it was a nice addition, I will Aurora say. Aurora is listening to Aurora. Yay. Tell us a little bit more about Drs. Saruchi Chandra and Andrew Peterson. Dr. Saruchi Chandra is a psychiatrist who specializes in integrative and holistic approaches. She has been studying evidence-based integrative approaches for brain-based conditions for the past 15 years. And Dr. Andrew Peterson is a DO and is a fellow with the American Academy of Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine. His integrative approach focuses on conditions that conventional medicine does not treat well, such as Lyme disease, hormonal imbalances, and neurodegenerative illnesses. 
So the reason we're bringing you this presentation from the Lime Mind Conference is that the functional approach to health is so important. We really feel that you should at least yourself have a functional approach or have somebody with a functional approach on your team. And that just means that they're looking outside the normal lines that doctors look at in terms of what could be causing the disease. So they're looking at the 360 degree view rather than just zoning in or zooming in on one or two pathways that could be affected and then looking for that drug that's going to block that pathway. Functional medicine approach, hugely important. We really believe it here at Lyme Ninja Radio and think it should be part of your healing Lyme journey. Here is the Lyme Mind Conference presentation. Stay tuned. Um, so this is our functional medicine panel. Uh, I'd like to introduce today Dr. Andrew Peterson. He is a chief medical office officer of Forum Health, a medical group dedicated to the advancement of integrative medicine and caring for patients in a better way. He specializes in areas where he believes conventional approaches fall short, including hormonal imbalances, hyperthyroidism, Lyme disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, biotoxin illness, fibromyalgia, metabolic disorders, and neurodegenerative conditions. We also have Dr. Saruchi Chandra. She is a Harvard-trained psychiatrist who specializes in integrative approaches for emotional, behavioral, and other brain-based conditions. Her career has been spent working across disciplines, spending time focused on integrative treatment for children with psychological issues and developmental delays, in addition to integrative approaches for chronic complex illnesses, including chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, and autoimmune illness. I want to re remind everybody that today's panel, we do hope to be able to have some Q&A, so please feel free to text in any questions, and I hand the conversation to Dr. Peterson. Great, thank you. Um, I'm excited to be here. Um, let's see, so at, at Forum Health, um, really what we're trying to do is to take care of people in a more complete way. And I, uh, I really appreciate I was sitting here before um, lunch ended, and uh, there was a musician who's going to and, and uh, the emotional nature of what happens to patients is just as important uh, as the physical nature of what happens to patients. And I would say, I would point out that the spiritual nature of, of our own individual spiritual practice is important. And, and that may sound bizarre to come from a physician, but I think it's true. So um, integrated precision health. Uh, precision health, I love the idea. I'm not so certain about how we um, we put it into practice every single time. Um, I would love a precision marriage. I'd love to be a precision father, um, but it's sort of trial and error, right? We, we know good things and I read books and I'm like, oh, I'm better at this than I was a few years ago. Um, but that's really how we have to approach our patients. So you can see that there's a, a number, sort of a timeline of things that, that are important for health. And some of them are more precise than others, but you know, I've got written down here, herbs, meditation, yoga, biofeedback, ozone, antibiotics, and drugs. Probably the last two are more precise than the yoga. And yet I wouldn't say that they're more necessarily important. Um, so sort of approaching patients in a holistic way and, and looking at all of those things is necessary. And you can see on that little tree and those roots that uh, uh, the symptoms up at the top of chronic fatigue or heart disease or diabetes or depression, those are symptoms, but the root causes are what we really need to try to find. And the root causes are multifactorial. And you can, I can have a root cause and you can have a root cause and we can have different symptoms. 
um, because of uh, proteomics and meta metabolomics. Um, See, I thought I deleted that slide. So this is really where I focus my practice. I focus my practice on saying, um, we repair our cells and cells break. And we're really good at building new cells and repairing cells in the first uh, probably 20 years of life. Um, and the building blocks of cells um, essentially are carbohydrates, proteins, vitamins, minerals, fats. We have to have those things to build cells. And then we have to have signaling molecules. And the signaling molecules end up being things like hormones and peptides and cytokines and um, interleukins. And if you don't have both sets of those, you won't repair cells or build new cells. On the other side of that equation is cellular breakdown. And cellular breakdown is this ongoing, constant process. Some cells just have a certain life expectancy. A red blood cell lasts for six months and antibody lasts for two to three months. Um, but what, but as this is happening, what, what's, what's really the cause for any disease? And it ends up being three major things, microbes, toxins, and immune dysfunction. And this is just my theory of it. I, I have, it, was, it was fascinating to listen to the last speaker talking about immune dysfunction and saying that's the problem, or, the, or it is a part of the problem for Lyme disease. And I think, yeah, about 40% of my patients, it doesn't matter if I give them antibiotics. What matters is if I help their immune system. Um, so. With regard to those, you can see on the one side, cellular repair, I, I mentioned those. With microbes on the cellular breakdown, you've got bacteria, viruses, protozoa, fungi, parasites. Those things are causing some stress to our body. They steal resources from us. And then toxins, it could be any number of things, pesticides, herbicides, heavy metals. Um, immune dysfunction, I think, is where it all sort of comes together. The immune system is um, having to react to those things, whether it's a microbe or a toxin and if our immune system reacts appropriately, and what, what's our genetic propensity for a particular type of immune response. So um, I would say, in a nutshell, that's how I would characterize functional or integrative medicine. So. Thank you. Yeah, Dr. Chandra, please. Let's see if my slides are. So I'm an integrative psychiatrist in the San Francisco Bay Area. And what put me on this path to do this model of medicine was an observation really early in my career that not enough psychiatric patients were getting well. The outcomes were not what, where they should be. And so I wanted to find ways of helping these patients that often were labeled well, but weren't getting well. And the patients that I see are in three categories, and all three categories are patients who need a better way. So one is patients with chronic psychiatric illnesses, patients who've been depressed for maybe years or decades, or anxiety patients also who've had the illness for a long time. Also children with developmental delays, and then also patients who've already been identified as having a tick-borne illness, but aren't responding to chronic convention, sorry, conventional treatments. So these may seem like very different populations, but with the integrative functional approach, we use very similar mechanisms of supporting them. And we find common underlying contributors or causes. So what is integrative psychiatry? A lot of people haven't heard this term. It's integrated in two ways. One, we think about the brain in context of the whole body. So many psychiatrists and neurologists stop at the brain and they don't think about what goes beyond. They don't ask and they don't think about contributors that go beyond the central nervous system. And I believe you have to. And second, we integrate treatments. So rather than just using one medication like Zoloft and saying that's it, we really try to integrate treatments and personalize them. So we know what's, we try to figure out what's gonna work for that individual. And the goal is not just to mitigate symptoms, but we want to build long-term health and ideally resilience so that if our patient has another stressor or an infection, they're going to handle that much better than they did the last one. That's true health. 
So why Lyme disease? You can understand why I use an integrative approach, but why Lyme disease? And this also came from an early observation that a lot of my patients, more than I would have ever imagined, had some type of immune issue or infection. And so that's where I've put a lot of my attention because that's what's helping my patients get well, not it's something I intended to do. And the patients who come to me have the typical symptoms you'd see in a psychiatric population. They may have depression, anxiety, attention issues. Um, but what's not typical about them is that we find this infection in a way that we don't think about Lyme disease presenting. They're in California, not a place that we think of as epidemic. They've had chronic issues. They've been sick for years usually, if not decades, and most don't recall a tick bite and certainly not an EM rash. And the other thing that's not typical about them is that they don't just have one infection. Most of them have more than one. So treatment. Treatment is not just about killing the bugs. I'm really encouraged by the talks this morning because we do need more effective ways of getting these bugs out of the system, but it's not just about killing the bugs. It's really about building resilience in the body, and we have to look at internal factors and external factors. So external, we think about stress in the home, in the family, diet, environmental exposures, and then internally, we think about all the systems that affect building resilience, including the microbiome, which is so important especially in somebody who's had chronic antibiotics for Lyme disease, mitochondrial health, functional health, hormonal health. So while it's really, um, while the patients who come to us often don't have hope, when we have this model, it is, it offers them hope in a way that I don't think I could have even imagined in my training in conventional medicine. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. I think we can switch to the, to the Q&A slide. Um, I have so many. I have so many different avenues that I want to go down with you guys because there's. I, I personally find the um, the functional medicine and integrative medicine practice to be, to be. Um, it shouldn't be an outlier in medicine, right? It shouldn't. <laughs> no, it should be the way that we all practice. Exactly. I mean, like doctors. Doctors are trained to be healers. They should. They should be. They're trained to be to make people better, and yet. Um, you know, as we, we get into specialized practice and we get into, into more specialized work, we often, our field of expertise zeroes in and, you know, we, we end up being labeled, we end up being, you know, even self-dubbed, you know, I'm a rheumatologist or I'm infectious disease or I am this. Um, and, and so I think that looking at what everybody knows is a complex system and a complex disease, um, so this, this is critical to me. So I want to take a step back and I want to first talk to Dr. Chandra because um, last year when we were planning the conference, we, took, we talked a lot about the importance of mental health in, in Lyme disease and in these tick-borne diseases and that there really is an epidemic of suicide and mm -hmm. severe, um, severe mental illness. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about that and about how your practice has, has worked with this? So there, there is a lot of hopelessness and suicidal ideation in these patients, and it's twofold. One is because these infections directly affect the body and the brain in ways that cause distress and cause patients to feel depressed, not resilient. And then on top of that, they don't have validations. Can you imagine feeling the worst you ever have in your body that's failing you, in your mind, and then the medical community doesn't believe you, can't help you? A lot of you are shaking your head, so you can't imagine. And then the families often don't believe the patients and the school systems or the place of work. So it's a real challenge. Um, and again, it takes an integrative approach, but starting with, we believe you, 
There are patients who've gotten better, and we can team up in ways that, um, that can put you on that path. Do you find that addressing the multi-factor areas of health, we call it when hidden, some of our work we've called it like the axes of wellness, mm -hmm. like nutrition and sleep. Absolutely. Like by, do you find that by tackling those that you're able to, to work with? Absolutely, and that's the other surprise from this type of medicine is how much those things can help, help the patients. Nutrition's probably the most important. Um, everyone has a diet, so that's something everyone can do. And often patients start feeling significantly better before we've killed any bugs. And I never start with killing the bugs because, um, as again many of you know, you can have a Herxheimer and you can feel worse. And I don't want to start a relationship with somebody who's already hopeless and make them feel worse. So we look at ways that we can support people and they feel better and they believe they can get better. So things like diet, lifestyle, and even supportive herbs can make a big difference for these patients, even when medications haven't helped. So um, I know, I don't know if John, uh, John Alcott is here, um, but I know, or um, Richard Horowitz, but both of them have been running these very intensive clinical research trials where part of the data that they collect are, is all of this quality of life information, and all of these factors that we're trying to get to to understand the whole person. But you know, doing it in a clinical research setting is completely different than doing it in, in a practice setting. So I'm wondering if you can talk to me about how Forum Health works with, uh, works with the constraints of maybe a primary care visit in order to capture all of this information. Right. Um, so, so Forum Health, one of the things I love about Forum Health is it's a group of doctors that are trying to say, hey, we really need to take care of these patients in a better way. And we've all sort of found um, Lyme disease patients uh, from a different, um, a different origin in our, in our training, right? And so we have practices in Florida and Illinois and Texas and Utah and growing. And, and the, the way that we approach the patient is our first job is to spend enough time with you that we'll be able to listen to the entire story. So you get an hour spent time with the doctor. And then it's a matter of saying, um, there's, this is super complex. This is not just the bug. This is not just your immune system. This is not just your microbiome. This is the entire um, holistic approach to who you are. And so, um, like uh, Saruchi says, uh, you have to start where the patient is ready. Um, if a person is pretty hopeless, you need to start there. I, I have patients that come to me and say, you believe that I have Lyme disease. I want to treat it. Can you treat it with you know, these antimicrobials? Um, I really think that it's their body. Mm -hmm. I should listen to them first and foremost. And if that's what they say, I want to try this first. My job is to say, well, these are the potential risks, but these are the potential benefits. Let's move forward the way that you feel is best. As long as I'm not doing them harm, that's how I think doctors should inter interface with their pa patients, and we don't. The conventional system isn't set up that way. It's set up for you to come in, I'll tell you what's wrong, I'll give you a list, go on your way, seven minutes later, um, you, can, you can come back and talk to me you know, when your insurance is ready to pay another copay. It's a disaster. Yeah, yeah. I feel so. Um, last year, I did a little bit of an introduction as to what the Institute for Next Generation Healthcare is, and you know, one of the core tenets of um, what we believe the Next Generation Healthcare is is that it's data driven, that it's it's patient centric, and then it's democratized. And so, like getting, I love that you just said that that patients are at the center of their own healthcare experience, and it is, it is their body. They, you know, we should have the autonomy. Well, and the risk-benefit thing, that's, that's where you have to say, 
first, first do no harm is sort of our mantra as physicians. Doing nothing is doing harm, yeah. right? Um, that you should look at the equation and say, is the thing that I'm going to do, which is potentially not good for you, worse than your situation now, which is clearly not good for you, yeah. right? Um, and, and I think that as physicians, we're, we're very uneasy to make that calculation with you. Um, and so we make it for you and we err on the side of, I don't want to be left holding the bag if something doesn't work the way we, we want it to. It's a disincentivized system. Yeah. Yes. So I just want to point out, because I really would like to take questions from the audience, but my, my monitor in front isn't showing me questions. So just throwing that out there. Um, hey, there, there we go. go. <laughs> um, so here's a question. What, does, what role does mold play in the recovery of Lyme disease? Is this something that you guys have experienced in your practice? Mm -hmm. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, um, when I started treating Lyme disease uh, 10 years ago, I didn't know the first thing about mold biotoxin. And, and each time I've learned something new, their immune system, their mold, their what have you, um, it's like, oh, wow, now this 15% of my practice that made no progress, I'm starting to see a difference in them. Mm. Um, it's, it's a huge problem. Yeah. It's the toxin side of my three-legged stool if you're not getting better because of this. You know, mold's a big deal. Right, no, and, and I would just agree. Um, we know mold can produce mycotoxins, which are neurotoxic for some people. So um, that can be a factor why some people aren't healing. Yeah, and I think... We don't know what we don't know. So maybe the mold is causing a problem with the microbiome. Maybe the mold is um, distracting the immune system so that it can't fight the Lyme as effectively it used to. I mean, there's so many possibilities. Yeah, I think that understanding the exposome, you know, what, what we're exposed to in our environment, what we've been exposed to throughout our lives is mm -hmm. so important. Um, in the uh, speaking of toxicity and knowing that there's, you know, a crumbling infrastructure is a problem in, in America. Lead is a problem in America. Are, sure. are, do you guys experience issues with, with lead in your practice? And is that a toxicity that, that, that that's a good question. So again, it's not just the bugs, it's all the other exposures. Um, we don't have a lot of patients that have current lead exposure because we're in a place that fortunately doesn't. But we do have patients who come in who tell a story where they're exposed to lead and then wonder, did that contribute to their children getting chronically sick? So is that another burden? Why they actually got sicker than their peers and they have a hard time getting well? Um, so in, in Salt Lake City, we live um, next to the largest open pit mine in the United States. And um, we have these inversions in the wintertime, so we just get to breathe all that dust. Um, and so, yeah, I see a lot of heavy metal toxicity. Arsenic um, comes up in, uh, in almost everyone. Uranium comes up in almost everyone. Not necessarily to obscenely high levels, but, but we all, I mean, rice plants absorb arsenic as well as it absorbs zinc. So when you're eating your, you know, your rice bowl, you're absorbing arsenic. It's a question of can you detoxify from it? How good is your liver? What's your cytochrome P450 system work like? Mm -hmm. um, Knowing that you that Form Health is, has these practices across the United States, are you collecting are you collecting information and data from your other from your other hospitals and your other systems that so, help us understand? Yeah, Form Health is in a good situation there. We uh, the one of the founders um, is uh, the owner of a an EMR system, and so we've got this uh, longitudinal data for the past mm, 12 years on chronically ill patients. Not all of them have Lyme. Some of them have IBS. Some of them have um, you know, Crohn's disease, so just what, whatever. To, but, but the data collection is there, and now it's a matter of can we take that and with artificial intent, intelligence crunch the numbers and see how to connect the dots. Yeah, we should work together. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Let's see. I haven't heard much about diet from any of the speakers today, but my son's doctor has him on a very strict diet, no sugar, no yeast, peanuts, etc. Is this important? Can you speak to, to uh, restrictive diets and in the treatment of chronic illness and particularly in Lyme disease? Well, diet is important. Um, and diet, I, what I tell my patients is the food you eat can either be a source of stress or a sort of source of resilience. So thinking of it that way. In terms of restrictive, it does seem that some patients do better when we remove um, certain foods, especially gluten, dairy, and for some people, sugar, um, and other things. But again, it's individualized, so I wouldn't say it's important for everyone in the same way. Mm -hmm. I sort of see two things. One, I do a, what's called an IgG food sensitivity test on a lot of patients. Mm -hmm. Very different than an IgE test. This is not an allergy. This is your body's made lots of immunoglobulin type G. And if you have some molecular mimicry between you and that antibody, then it may in fact be causing inflammation. So um, if I do that test, then, then it's easy to say to the patient, look, you can't have soy, you can't have peanuts, and you can't have gluten, but it looks like dairy is okay. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just based on their immune response. But then there's also the what foods you're eating are feeding the bugs that live inside of you. Um, I was talking to a scientist last night who we were talking about the gut microbiome, and he said we have, you know, maybe 400 different bacteria. I looked on the NIH website this morning, um, and they said maybe we have 10,000. Um, I looked on Wikipedia, it said maybe we have 2,000. I don't know how many we have, right? And then I was talking to Joel Dudley, and he said we, uh, they, they did this, uh, this test of the uh, New York subway system, and 56% of the bacteria that they discovered were as of yet undiscovered. Um, so, but that's just specific to New York, so I don't right. worry about that. But, but the point is, the food you eat is feeding those guys, yes. right? And so it, it, it matters tremendously. If the microbiome matters in our health and our immune response, then what we feed it yeah. makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Um, so a um, bit of personal history. So I have, I have an autoimmune disorder, I have celiac. And I know that for me often, eating, eating itself is a stressor. And so being on restrictive diets, I, I wonder, is this, is this an extra, yeah, yeah, is this a harder thing? That just like Lyme patients who are already dealing with so much, is this, is this an extra burden? That's part of why I do an IgG food sensitivity yeah. test, because if I can say, look, you're making super high antibodies to dairy, it's a lot easier for the patient to say, wow, I should cut this out, as opposed to me telling, because I get good results. If I just tell all the patients, cut out dairy, gluten, and sugar, it makes a difference for the majority of them. But it is an emotional burden to say, wow, you just ruined my life even more. I was, I was miserable before, <laughs> and now you've taken away my one pleasure. Yeah. Right? I couldn't play sports anymore. I couldn't you know, go out and you know, now you're not taking, you're taking away food. Well, and I've got to assume too that like when, when sleep is an issue or chronic issues of chronic fatigue and you're taking away an energy source, that does that. Through sugar yeah. and caffeine. That's, yeah. how, that's how a lot of patients survive. Yeah. Um, and it is, it's like, it's like a short-term um, benefit, but a long-term um, yeah. problem. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> I like this question. Um, I've seen this question come up a few times during the day, so, but I think this is the right people to bring it to. What can we do to bring the oblivious physicians to the limelight, <laughs> since there are so few? <laughs> I, I was the oblivious physician for the first 10 years of my practice, right? Which is ironic, I actually trained in Pennsylvania, then I practiced for 10 years in Texas, and then I moved to Utah. I discovered Lyme disease in Utah. We don't have Lyme disease in Utah, per the CDC. Um, so, if your physician 
is thoughtful and listens to you, I think you can bring him to the limelight. Mm -hmm. And if he's in a hurry, don't waste your time. Um, I, I, yeah, we can, we can clap to that if you like, but, um, <laughs> um, I, I'm curious to know, like each of you do have these very traditional medical backgrounds. How, what is, do, is there a story that brought you to, to the limelight? Do you have a case that you, that you could share? It, it wasn't one case. It was, um, just over time observing more and more that this was one of the biggest things that made a difference in my patients' lives and not being able to ignore it but not a particular case. Yeah. For me, it was two things. I have a sister-in-law who, right when I got into medical school, started to have symptoms of chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. Of course, when you're in medical school, your family thinks you're super smart, right? So like, <laughs> what do you think is wrong with her? And I'm like, I don't know, it's probably in her head, <laughs> right? Um, and as doctors, I think we're somewhat egotistical. And, you know, we, so I was, I was a jackass for 10 years. Um, and I was that way in the emergency room. I worked in a really tiny town in Texas. Um, a thousand patients in our town, and we were three hours to any city, right? And so I saw my failures every single day. They didn't have another choice. They could drive two hours to Amarillo or five hours to Dallas, or they could come see me again and say, I'm still not better, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. um, and I had this man, he was probably in his late 50s, um, and, and he, just everything was so overwhelmingly, like, what's wrong? I sent him to Scott and White, UT Southwestern, Baylor, every place I could send this man. Nothing seems to make a difference. It wasn't until I was in Utah, and, and he, he passed away. Um, I was in Utah, and um, I was sort of introduced by my patient to say, do you think it could be Lyme disease? And I said, I, I don't know, but I'll look. Um, and, I, and I looked back at that man, and I said, and he was my, my office manager's father. Um, and I had failed to help him, right? Um, and so that was enough for me to say, I have got, I personally have to change, and pay attention to people when they say something's wrong. And if I can't help them by sending them to a specialist, I better go figure it out. Well, thank you. That's our time today. So thank you, Dr. Peterson, Dr. Chandra. You know, it's really great to listen to these two speak about functional medicine, you know, because I'll be online reading articles or something, and I'll come across somebody's hot take regarding functional medicine. And it always really frustrates me to see functional medicine discredited, you know, because it, in my opinion, it's the most amount of good for the least amount of harm. So can't have that. I know, right? <laughs> so to be able to listen to Dr. Peterson and Dr. Chandra to speak so intelligently about what they're doing and why, and why they're following this functional medicine approach, it, it's really great. It just seems like common sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or for guests, really anything at all, send an email to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. We're getting lots of responses. I'm behind in responding to people that you've sent in suggestions for. Don't worry. I've read them, and I will respond. Hang in there. We're just under the Christmas gun, so to speak. I hope Christmas doesn't have a gun, but you know the what I Christmas mean. Christmas now. Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> the holiday rush, all that kind of stuff. We'll get back to you. We appreciate it. Keep them coming. We really need this input so we give you the interviews that are going to help you on your Lyme journey.
And if you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, hit the subscribe button. That way you won't miss an episode. And if you really like what we're doing, share this podcast with a friend. But if you really, really like what we're doing, go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of your app and leave us a review. We would really, really appreciate it. We need two this December. So come on, leave us a review. We're ringing the dinner bell. We're ringing the dinner bell. Come on down. (laughs) We're begging. This is begging. (laughs) All right. Before we get any beggier, Aurora, what's the Lime Ninja fact of the day? Did you know there is no sign of life on Mars? Because the life on Mars is all ninjas. That was deep. Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.